2: Good morning, this is the California Report and I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Last night, a federal judge in San Jose barred the Trump administration from its intention of ending counting for the 2020 U.S. Census a month early. Judge Lucy Koh issued a preliminary injunction preventing the administration from stopping the count on September 30th instead of October 30th. Her decision came after evidence was presented this week that showed Census Bureau officials felt ending the census count early could harm its accuracy. It's long been believed that an undercount of Californians could cost the state one or more seats in Congress and jeopardize federal funds that come to the state based on its population. Here's L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti talking about that when the city kicked off its own census education program. If you're not counted, we don't get the resources, full stop people don't think we're here, then the formulas for federal funding means you pay taxes to Washington, but you don't get that money back, about $2,000 per person, uh, $1,950 per person on average. Do you think the Trump administration wants an undercount of cities like Los Angeles? No question. Um, This has been a hostile Washington that decides how you voted and then figures out whether they want to give you funds. And I think they know if they can change the formula with the census, they can make sure that more money is kept for them that we generate and less return to us. One big census concern in California is making sure people and often hard to count poor and immigrant communities are reached and counted. And this will likely be a surprise to no one who follows politics in the Golden State. The Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden continues to hold a huge lead with state voters over President Trump in California. That according to a new Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies poll. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer
0: has more. Biden leads Trump by 39 points in California, 67 to 28 percent, winning a majority of likely voters in every region, including the Central Valley, where the former vice president is up by 15 points. Biden is ahead in every age group and racial group, including Latinos who prefer the Democrat by a 42-point margin. While Republicans overwhelmingly support the president, independent or nonpartisan voters prefer Biden over Trump by 58 points. Asked how they'd feel if their preferred candidate loses, Biden voters are almost twice as likely as Trump voters to say they'd be angry. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer.
2: As the nation waits to see who President Trump will name to the US Supreme Court seat left empty by the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, some are wondering whether Senator Dianne Feinstein, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, is the right person to lead the fight against the confirmation. KQED Politics correspondent Marisa Lagos reports.
1: Dianne Feinstein has long been to the right of many California Democrats and has never been a favorite of the progressive wing of the party. In recent years, she's angered some for being too collegial at a time when many Democrats are ready to fight. And while most people are reticent to challenge the powerful senior senator on the record, some progressive leaders in California did speak out this week when Feinstein said she would not support ending the filibuster, the arcane Senate rule that lets the minority party block legislation. Filibusters are a relic. Um, from the time of segregation. That's San Jose Assemblyman Ash Kalra. As the first Indian American to serve in the state legislature, he's emblematic of the new face of the party. He supported the Democrat who unsuccessfully challenged Feinstein in 2016. Kalra says it's important for Democrats to make clear to Republicans that if they push through a nomination before the election, go nuclear, as he says, that all options are on the table.
3: So for the senator to already... Say that uh, you know she likes the filibuster because of some historic sense of attachment. I think is out of tune with where we need to be as a Democratic Party, and certainly not in step with the fight that Californians are willing to put up right now.
1: Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson says, practically speaking, the outcome will be the same no matter how Feinstein performs in any confirmation hearings. All of this is important, but probably doesn't matter because Republicans have the vote. But Levinson says... Politically, it does matter. I mean, how much is that going to swing the swing voters in the swing states? I don't know, but you certainly don't want to feed a narrative of the Democratic Party being controlled by people who are um, essentially too old to have the position. But not everyone on the party's left flank is worried that Feinstein can't handle the heat. Congressman Ro Khanna, who also supported Feinstein's opponent in 2016, says she's wrong on the filibuster question. But he also believes she performed well during the last contentious Supreme Court confirmation fight over now Justice Brett Kavanaugh two years ago.
0: I think she's up for it. Uh, She was
2: a vocal... Uh, opponent of Kavanaugh and uh, helped lead the strategy. She understands what is at stake, uh, and I have confidence that she will uh, fight this uh, effectively.
1: Feinstein's office did not make her available for an interview. But the senator spoke Thursday in a Judiciary Committee hearing about what's at stake, expressing outrage at President Trump's refusal to commit to a peaceful transfer of power.
4: And we must also understand that it's wholly improper to rush a Supreme Court nomination to affect election results. We can and should fight against that effort.
1: Democrats will be watching the 87-year-old senator closely to see if she can rise to the occasion with so much at stake. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos.
2: A large area of high pressure over the west, called a heat dome, means temperatures across California will spike this weekend and into next week. In some places, temps could be 10 to 15 degrees above normal for this time of year. And that heat, mixed with predicted high winds, means, yes, an increased wildfire danger. As a precautionary measure to make sure its equipment doesn't spark a catastrophic blaze, Pacific Gas and Electric says it could shut down power to 21,000 customers in three counties, Butte, Plumas, and Yuba. The utility says if it does pull the plug, it will try to restore power within 12 daylight hours. And later this morning, California's most iconic national park will reopen after a closure forced by wildfire smoke. KQED's Dan Brecky reports.
0: Yosemite National Park shut down last week after air quality fell into the hazardous category. That was mostly because of smoke from the Creek Fire burning in the mountains to the south. But since then, park spokeswoman Jamie Richards says there's been a dramatic change.
5: You could not actually see the valley cliff walls from Yosemite Valley. Today, we've got blue skies and conditions have significantly improved
0: over the past week. The park is also reopening three Yosemite Valley campgrounds with a total of about 300 sites that must be reserved online at recreation.gov. That's also the site to reserve a special day-use pass that you'll need to get into the park if you don't have a campsite or hotel reservation. Those day-use passes are already sold out for today and tomorrow. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky.
2: Let's turn to culture in this time of the coronavirus. The Monterey Jazz Festival is the longest continuously running jazz festival in the world. Since its start in 1958, it's hosted such musical greats as Billie Holiday, Louis Armstrong and Miles Davis. This weekend, the Monterey Jazz Festival kicks off its 63rd season. But the pandemic has brought big changes to this California happening. Michelle Loxton brings us a story from KAZU in Monterey.
5: For the first time in its history, the Monterey Jazz Festival will be completely virtual this year. It won't be live, but it will be appointment viewing, meaning from tonight, for three days, you'll have to be in front of a screen between 5 and 7 p.m. if you want to catch performances like this one. I remember night, as if it were
2: yesterday I think she's the finest jazz vocalist working right now.
5: I can hear that's the festival's artistic director, Tim Jackson, talking about Diane Reeves and one of her archival pieces they've chosen to feature this year. Brought her back. This year's performance by the festival's next generation jazz orchestra is a feat in itself. The band performs together all remotely.
2: So it's students from throughout the country, some of the best young jazz musicians.
4: I never cared much for moon and
3: skies. I never went back at
5: The orchestra is directed by Gerald Clayton, who's been coming to the Monterey Jazz Festival since he was part of the high school jazz band competition. Over the years, he's come back many times as an artist.
4: I do feel in a lot of ways like I'm the same kid I was when I first you know, got on those fairgrounds, so um, hopefully can kind of give them some, some hints and clues and, and expose them to some things that will help them along their journey.
5: The Gerald Clayton Quartet will also perform a number of tunes, including this one by Thelonious Monk entitled Evidence.
4: The theme is very much in the spirit of the music, which is improvisation, just you know, not overly planned necessarily. We just got together and didn't have a rehearsal, just counted them off and you know you see what you get.
5: You can view the festival for free this year, but they'll be raising money over the three days, with that being split between the artists, the NAACP Defense Fund, and the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. The festival says this is part of recognizing that jazz comes from the heart of black culture and wanting to serve as a platform for artists to share social justice messages. For Gerald Clayton, we are living in a societal awakening right now.
4: As uncomfortable as it may be for some people to take a hard look at at some of those harsh truths and facts of, of our history, I think it's also really important. Wayne Shorter says, you know, you use the tools from the past as a flashlight into the darkness of the future. I'm always trying to further explore my roots, whether it's you know the actual language of the music or the circumstances that surrounded the music.
5: For the California Report, I'm Michelle Luxton in Monterey.
3: Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at WaterHeatersOnly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org.
2: And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Report's Weekly Magazine. I'm not afraid of anything. This week, we'll hear about a new album featuring improvised songs from people with developmental disabilities in Contra Costa County. They call themselves the Sheltered Workshop Singers. Grammy Award winning producer Ian Brennan is behind the project. He's traveled the world recording musicians who are in prison, homeless, or survivors of genocide. They often play improvised instruments like bicycle spokes or glass bottles. This album features the sounds of yoga balls, canes and wheelchairs.
4: Music is everywhere. It's necessary for survival and the voices here are unlike any others and the things that are expressed are real.
2: You can hear more about Brendan's new album, Who You Calling Slow, on this week's California Report magazine on this station or download the podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, September 25th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Holly J. McDeed. Our editors, Angela Corral. Our managing editors, Vinnie Tong. Our executive editors, Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk on Monday.
3: Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement and the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at
0: irvine.org. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st with two electrifying programs and five works springing from cartoon, the news and human connection. ODC.dance/downtown Support for KQED podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it.